Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. So we're in a brand new series called Home for Christmas, and it's so interesting to me how when you're at home with your family, you have all of these, we all have these different uh, traditions that we do for Christmas. Many of you have specific uh, traditions that you do on Christmas Eve. Some of you open up gifts on Christmas. Some of you are like, absolutely not. Our kids open up one gift on Christmas Eve, and it's the pajamas that they have to wear the next day for our pictures. Come on, somebody. They're like, this is what we get? Yeah, you get clothes, and you're welcome. And uh, some of you have very specific foods that you eat on Christmas, and if the food's not there that you want, it's just not Christmas. Anybody know what I'm saying? Yeah, if it's not, if there's no big red for Christmas, it's just not Christmas. It's red. Santa's red. Come on. It's big. Santa's big. That's what I'm, that's, I'm just throwing that out there. Our, our family, um, we have this tradition of doing a white elephant gift exchange. All my siblings and all the kids, every Christmas, my parents, and I don't know about you guys, but I always feel like I'm getting ripped off at these things. Does anybody know what I'm saying? Like, I buy, like, a better gift than I'm supposed to buy, and I bring it, and I like what I bring, and I end up with, like, a box of cereal and a roll of toilet paper. (laughs) This happened to me. Rachel will vouch for this. Like, I'll smile and pretend like it's not a big deal, but inside I'm dreaming about cutting somebody just a little bit, little nick. Just a tiny little bit of blood flow. Come on, man, give me, like, a gift receipt to take the cereal back so I can give me some Tic Tacs or something. And a noise in a pear tree. Um, I, I, I know this is a first world problem, but sometimes the gift you wanted and the gift you got are not the same thing. My wife said amen really loud the last service. I noticed she didn't do that this time. Thank you, babe. Appreciate that. So, sometimes you get a gift that you just straight up didn't want, and they didn't even put a gift receipt in there so you could take that thing back so you're stuck with an unwanted gift. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, like, I have an unwanted gift right now. I didn't dream of a day that the Cowboys would be this bad. That's an unwanted gift for me. Spurs stink, Longhorns no good. Come on, somebody. Nobody, nobody plant the Rangers bad. All my team's bad. First world problems. Real troubles in the world, but I'm complaining about sports. You know, Christmas is uh, it's such an interesting time. Uh, for so many different reasons, but it seems that this time of year, more than probably any other time of year, draws out these unknown expectations and pressures and emotions that are, that are very unique to this time of year. Um, th- there, there are certain things that happen in life, certain seasons, like for me when I was a kid, spring break would be a magnifier, and summer was a magnifier, Christmas is a magnifier, meaning it magnifies what's there, either for good or for bad, it makes it bigger. Uh, if it's good, it makes it bigger. If it's worse, and Christmas is definitely a magnifier when it comes to our emotions. We can experience really high highs, but we can also experience some really, really low lows. And I think many of us know exactly what I mean by that. Some of you are going to get to see family around Christmas that you haven't seen in a while. That's going to jack you up. You're going to be high. Some of you are going to get high. By the way, is different um, nowadays. I have to explain. It's like your emotions. Just FYI. Sometimes you just got to explain at church nowadays, you know what I'm saying? Um, you're going you're gonna to get something for Christmas that you've always wanted, and that's going to make you, you know, happy for a minute. 
Some of you maybe got a new job, you have new relationships this time of year that you didn't have last year, you're excited about that, and so Christmas is going to be awesome. But, but, but Christmas also has the strange power of making our lows feel even lower, um, if you know what I mean. It, it can bring up what's broken or what's missing and, and magnify that, and we don't actually want what we're, we're going through. Um, maybe, maybe this year you've experienced the end of a relationship, the loss of a loved one, or Maybe it's just a change in health that you didn't expect. And maybe this year it feels just like last year and the year before that and the year before that. So you're not looking for the new year with optimism. You're looking at it sort of with cynicism. It's interesting. We all face situations and circumstances, and this year even more than normal, that we didn't ask for, that are, that are unwanted. We didn't, we didn't anticipate them. This isn't something I wanted. Why did this show up under the tree of my life? The Christmas story is one of those stories. We, we kind of have it somewhat romanticized with all the things that we go to and all the things that we do around Christmas. But the Christmas story is one of those unwanted gift stories if you go and read the real story. Th- think of Mary's burden at, at, at being the mother of Jesus. She's only just engaged. She's probably 14, 15 years old, probably max, to be married. To, she's engaged to be married when an angel comes and says, hey, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world, the Son of God. Like, no pressure, right? And then imagine her having to explain her pregnancy to her parents, to her friends. I was overshadowed by the Most High. Do what now? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not even a thing at this point. She didn't ask for that. Think about Joseph, and this is where we're going to land today. We're going to talk about Joseph. He, he always gets overlooked when we talk about Christmas. We don't talk about much him about much about him. As a matter of fact, the Bible really doesn't have a ton to say about him either. I don't think there's maybe there's one or two words that's recorded that he spoke, but I don't think there's any words that's recorded in the whole of the Bible that he actually says out loud. In spite of the fact that he doesn't get a lot of play in the story, he's not an, a passive sort of bystander to this story. This isn't a story that just happens to him. This is a story that he gets involved in with some decisions that we're going to see that he makes. But think about Joseph for a moment. When you think about unwanted gifts, he's engaged to be married to a girl who shows up pregnant out of the blue, and he knows he didn't have anything to do with it. You talk about a gift you don't want. You talk about give me a gift receipt so I can take this back. Where do I get the gift receipt for my fiance showing up pregnant by somebody else? But his response to this seemingly unwanted situation changes his life, changes the Christmas story, and has the power to change our story as well. I want to read through this story, just the part of it that's relevant to today. This is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When, When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph... Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Next verse, please. And her husband, Joseph. Now, notice this word husband here. They're only engaged at this point. Her husband, Joseph, being a just man. If you have your Bibles, underline that word. Just man. That's also righteous man. And unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, probably at some point, we're going to keep reading this as we go along. Probably at some point in your life, you've read this text, you've heard this text read, read in, a, in a service like this one. And it's one of those passages that when you read them, you're just kind of going through it, going, okay, I get that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're missing so much that is not being said. 
So when we read that Mary was engaged or betrothed to Joseph, this isn't like our engagements now, which have to be on social media, which have to be on our stories, which has to be like very fancy and very executed and, and perfect in all of its ways. This is, a, this is very different from, hey, your parents are going to give you all the money that they've ever saved in their life so that you can have a great day, and then they're going to go back and live poor from now on out. Come on, dads of, of girls, unite why do we have to pay for it? Who made up that rule? Anybody with me on this, dads? Nobody's got my back. I see how it is. No, no, this is, this is different than our deal. This is a legal engagement. It's a binding decree, which is just as powerful as a marriage covenant. You don't just say, ah, oh, never mind. We changed our mind. It's not working out. We've, we've drifted apart. It's legally binding. They didn't hook up on eHarmony or Tinder or WhatsApp or whatever they, they're doing now. They, they weren't dating. They, they were pledged to one another by their families. They probably don't even know each other very well yet. But even in the text that we just read, Matthew calls Joseph her husband. Even though they're not married yet, this is how serious the engagement, the betrothal was. They could only be separated by a certificate of divorce. So just kind of store that in your memory bank. In, in this betrothal period, which would last a year or more, they didn't live together, they didn't consummate their marriage, which means the one thing that couldn't have happened did, a pregnancy, which presents a very serious dilemma for Joseph. And I can't overstate just how serious a dilemma this was for him and really even more so for Mary. Matthew notes that Joseph was a just man, a, a righteous man. And we'll read that and think, oh, it means he's a pretty good dude. He loans tools to his neighbors. He, he pays his, you know, his taxes. He goes to church every now and then. But this is saying much, much more than that. This phrase, a just man, a righteous man, is loaded and, 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 it, and it's an incredible word to have attached to you as a man in this time. What it's saying is that he's faithful and devoted to the law of Moses. He, to every last detail of the Torah, he's innocent of, of misusing the, the, the commandments or uh, uh, disobeying the commandments that are there. And, and they don't just hand you this title. Like as a carpenter, as a man who works with his hands, this is one of the greatest things that could ever be attributed to him. This is the best moniker you could ever hope to have attached to you. He's doing the right things. He's a man of integrity, of character, and people have taken notice. So much so that when Matthew is writing again about this story, many, many years later, he reminds people that he was a just man. Faithful. Devoted to God and to the commandments. Now, I want you to log that into your memory bank now. So now, when the news gets dropped on him that his wife, text doesn't say that Mary is the one who tells Joseph that. As a matter of fact, she probably wasn't the one who told him. Mary, after she hears the news that she's going to be pregnant from this angel, goes to be with her cousin Elizabeth's house for three months. So she probably isn't the one who tells Joseph. Joseph probably hears this from somebody close to Mary or maybe through some sort of grapevine. You know how the rumor mill goes in a small town. Imagine, though, later on when he goes to Mary to have this conversation. Imagine having this conversation with her. Imagine Mary trying to explain what's happened. How, how does she prove her story? Now, an angel shows up to her, says this is what's going to happen, but this angel doesn't show up to everybody else and tell them what's going to happen. She's having to bear the weight of the consequences on her own. There's literally nothing worse for her reputation or for his than what has happened. Joseph, I'm pregnant. 
But don't worry, you know, I, I haven't been with another man. It, it's from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give birth to the miracle of mir- miracles. You ever hear of Ave Maria? That's a song about me that they're going to write someday. It's going to be amazing. Everything's going to be fine. Aren't you excited for me? I don't think he was. Everything about his future has changed in this moment. A baby conceived by the Holy Spirit, really? Remember, there's an angel coming to tell him this, but he doesn't know any of this stuff yet. Even if it's true, who's going to believe me? Nobody's going to believe me. The only other explanation was that Mary had been with another man, or at least that's how the story is going to go around town. It's how the story would have went, and that day the storyline had serious and dire consequences. The law was very serious in, 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 in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 22 says that when a woman does what Mary has happened to her, she should be brought to the door of the father's house, and there the men of the town shall stone her. And it's not the good kind. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, it's not, none of it's good. None of it's good. I was in Colorado this summer, and I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Now, now, this wasn't a practice done much by the time Jesus comes around, although it was still a thing in the culture. If you remember later on in the Gospels, Jesus stops this very thing from happening to a woman. L- last week, we read about the text where Joseph goes from Nazareth back to Bethlehem, his ancestral home, to go take the census. There's a decree that's gone out from Caesar Augustus, or Augustus Caesar, and, 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 and he has to go back there. But I was thinking about this this week. Why does he take Mary with, her, with him? Ladies, put yourself in her shoes. She's nine months pregnant. She's got to get on a donkey and ride 80 miles. Like, you don't even want to get in a car and drive 80 miles at this point. Why does he take her? There's no legal requirement for her to come with him. Maybe he brought her because she was in real danger of people taking this law into their own hands. Maybe it was the rumor mill that had started in Nazareth and was building as she was getting larger and people are thinking about hurting Mary. And so he says, the only safe thing is for me to bring her with me. Think about that. The law was painfully clear, and for a righteous man, for a man like Joseph, a just man, what the law says, you do it. That's what he's done his entire life. So what does Joseph do? In an act of incredible grace and compassion, he decides to spare Mary from this very public humiliation and disgrace and potentially much, much more. He he could have, in this process, by publicly shaming her, he could have spared his own good name and reputation, cleared it up, But he chose to do something far more gracious. Now, make no mistake, though, that even in his act of compassion, Joseph has to be disappointed. Joseph is frustrated. He clearly would love for the situation just to go away. This isn't supposed to be my story. Think about him if it's you. This is supposed to be my story. This is not what I've dreamed of my entire life. This is not the gift he wants under the tree. Can I get a gift receipt? Can I take it back? So the Bible says in verse 20 that he considered these things. Somewhere he goes and gets off by himself. He's thinking about this news that he's heard, that his wife-to-be is pregnant and the baby isn't his. And he's got to be thinking about all the ways that this is going to mess up his life. A quiet divorce is still a divorce, right? His reputation still jacked up. His hopes and dreams still crushed. I wonder if you can put yourself in his shoes just for a moment. Joseph, this forgotten character from the story, can you put yourself in his shoes for a moment? Have you ever been there before 
in your own way, in your own story, a story where things that you thought were going to happen didn't, and instead something much, much worse did. The moment the news came, the moment when circumstances changed for the worst, but they hurt you the most, when you found out that you lost your job, when that person said, I don't love you anymore, I don't want to be with you anymore, when you watched a child or a friend or a loved one face a situation that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. I have friends in this church who over the last years and over the last even weeks, people have found news that is the worst kind of news. People who have had diagnoses that are the worst kinds of diagnoses where the pain and the fear is real. And this is a new normal that they're having to live in. And there are no returns and there are no gift receipts, just disappointment and trying to cope with what is. And it's in seasons like that where it's so easy especially when there's a magnification going, a magnifying of Christmas, when it's so easy to fall into discouragement or cynicism or bitterness. And, and we hear the words of the Christmas songs about all is merry and all is bright and joy to the world and peace on earth. And they just sort of lose their meaning, which is why we have to go back through the real story of Christmas, that unwanted gift story of Christmas. And it says... As he's considering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, now before we get to what, it, what he's going to hear, we need to hear what happened because we will not make sense of what is happening in our lives if we don't see it through the lens of what happened at that first Christmas, what happens to Joseph. In the midst of this most difficult of times for him, this, this, this soul-crushing loss that he's going through, this moment of disappointment, in the midst of this moment of discouragement when his, his heart has to be discouraged and frustrated and his mind is racing with scenario sickness, all of the what-ifs, and it's in that moment where Joseph hears a word from the Lord. When, when he least expects it, as he's sitting there thinking about how his life has been irrevocably changed, God's word shows up. In that moment, not, not when his life was tidy and neat and, and put together, not when Joseph is cool and calm and collected, not when things are warm and fuzzy and, and all is calm and all is bright, no. When he's just seen his world as he knew it crash around him, the word of the Lord came. Here's what we need to see in this. Oftentimes it's when we're at our lowest, when we're at the bottom of, 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 of life, when pain is most severe, that God shows up the strongest and draws the closest to us. And, and it's in those moments that God speaks to us. It's in those moments at least where God is ready to say something. And the question is, is are you still enough to hear him? Are you willing to stop and listen? Joseph hears the word of the Lord, but only when he stops and considers in silence. I don't know how you process pain or, or confusion or, or bad news, but for me it often depends on the current state of my soul, my inner being. Like if I've been taking care, doing soul care, then I'll be able to handle it. But sometimes when I'm not taking care, when I'm not praying or plugged in as, to the degree that I should be, I will often first fear only the worst. I will often first, instead of going to prayer, instead of going to listen to the voice of God, I'll go into self-preservation mode. I'll go into fix-it mode. I, I, and the last thing I'm going to want to do is, is be still and listen for the word of the Lord. What we see in this story is when we stop listening 
If Joseph doesn't listen, it can radically impact what happens next because the Christmas story that we're going to read, that we, we read in the Bible, it only moves forward when Joseph stops. And hears from God. Because this story could have looked very different if Joseph doesn't stop and hear from God. Listen, if you're facing some unwanted gift during this Christmas season, I don't know how to emphasize this enough. Please take time, particularly if you're struggling or hurting or or, or struggling with something, please make time to stop and hear the word of the Lord. And, And what that looks like for me is getting by myself somewhere quiet. And I know that's a challenge right now for many of you kids at home right now. Maybe they're homeschooling right now and it's really hard to find quiet space. But for me, that looks like getting quiet and asking God to speak to me however he wants to do that. And then getting still. And getting quiet before the Lord and listening. Getting into his word and listening for what he might say to me through his word. And trust me, he's close. So Joseph does this and God has a way of speaking to each of us differently in ways that we'll comprehend. And this is what he does for Joseph. Here's what he says. As Joseph had stopped and considered what had happened, Joseph, he says, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So this is a relief to him. He's hearing now from God what's happening, what's happened. He, it's, it's, it's jiving with what Mary's told him, but he, hasn't, he doesn't know this until this moment. But now he's faced with a decision to do what the Lord says. Is he going to do what God says? So what is Joseph saying? What does is, what is the, the angel say to Joseph here? Three things. Number one, don't be afraid. And I want, I want to pause there. We're going to come back to that in a minute, but let me just pause. I think what I need to hear so much of the time, particularly in this year where things have constantly been changing, where it seems like the ground is moving under my feet over and over again, I think this is the thing I need to hear maybe more than any other thing is, Danny, stop. Don't be afraid. I think that's the first thing I need to know more than the answers and more than whatever's coming next. Just don't be afraid to trust God at his word, even though it feels bad even though it looks bad, even though you're disappointed and afraid, don't be afraid to trust God. And the second thing is take Mary as your wife. And the third thing that we're seeing here is name Jesus as your son. Don't be afraid. Why? Because these next two things, Joseph, they're going to cost you in a real way if you act on them. He's going to take Mary as his wife, and in the process, he's binding himself to a woman who's going to be seen as a woman who got pregnant before marriage and who got pregnant uh, from someone other than her fiancé. Very bad look in this time. So the child will be thought of as illegitimate in, in that culture, and she, Mary, will not be thought in high regard either. But the cost... The cost to Joseph in terms of his reputation, in terms of his standing in the village, in terms of his future, and the way people are going to think about him is hard for us to conceive in this time. He will never again be thought of as a righteous man. And we will actually see this play out in the Bible and the scriptures while Jesus later on will be doing ministry in and around Nazareth. He's preaching, he's teaching, he's, he's, he's talking things. The people, the people from his village, the people who knew Joseph, the people who know his family, this is what they would say about Jesus. This is Mark 6. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, aren't his sisters here with us? 
and they took offense at him because of his backstory. But guess who's not mentioned here? Joseph. This is unusual to say the least. Israeli boys were always described as the son of their father. Matter of fact, when the angel comes to Joseph, we just read it. Hey, Joseph, son of David, this is common. Go read the text all throughout the Bible. But they will say years later, isn't this Mary's son? They won't even say his name. He used to be one of the respected men in the community. He was just, he was righteous. Now he's disgraced. He's not even the father of that child. Do you see what this decision to follow the angel's commands cost him? He could have thrown Mary under the bus in the beginning and maybe held on to his reputation as a devout and just man, but he chooses to do the hard thing. And here he is, sort of fading into the background of Jesus' story altogether. Everybody sort of forgets about Joseph, but I'll tell you who did not forget about Joseph. The child he took as in as his own, the little boy that he would call his own son, Jesus. That boy never forgot the, the example that his earthly father had left him. The son who knows the story of Joseph intimately, both as the boy who grows up with Joseph and the son of God, Jesus, the, the God in human flesh. He never forgot the kind of righteousness he saw in Joseph, the kind of self-sacrifice that Joseph had, the kind of righteousness that far surpassed the most righteous of the Pharisees made its mark on Jesus because Jesus would know what a sacrifice Joseph had made for Mary when he came to her defense. He could have left her isolated. He could have scorned her, shamed her, put her out in public. And Jesus would have known this story that Joseph took on the disgrace and the scandal and the pain so that Mary could live. Joseph, in that moment that he made the decision to trust God at his word, made himself of no reputation. He threw his reputation out for the benefit of others. Jesus bore witness to all of that, and he himself would go on and follow in his father's, Joseph's footsteps, when he took on the shame and the sin and the disgrace and the scandal of us all. And Isaiah the prophet says in Isaiah 53, we all, like sheep, have gone astray, and each of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He saw his own father do something similar. Philippians 2 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but instead made himself of no, what? Reputation. Taking the form of a servant, he took one for the team coming in the likeness of men. Jesus sacrificed his rights, sacrificed his reputation, and served others for the greater good. And he had seen that in Joseph, an example of how to do that well. So maybe Joseph's life wasn't really that silent after all. His decision, his faith in that moment, in that one critical moment, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, name the son as your son. In that moment when he makes this decision, it changes everything, but it cost him so much. And it opened up the possibility that Christmas could even happen the way that it did. So I think we can learn from Joseph what to do when life gives us unwanted gifts, things that we never hoped for, never wished for, 
Maybe the word of the Lord that came to Joseph through the angel is still relevant for us as well. Number one, don't be afraid. Now, I know that's hard. I know it's, it looks like life as we've known it is maybe over. But don't be afraid. And I know that it can seem like maybe God is far away or maybe that he doesn't care as much as he used to. But he does care and he does know where you're at. He does know what you're going through. As a matter of fact, he's close. For those of you who've had your hearts broken this year, for those of you who've suffered unimaginable disappointment or shame or fear or ridicule or loss, man, I'm so sorry that you've had to go through any of that. But I want you to know that God cares and God hurts with you. And when you're weeping, God is weeping as well. And Psalm, the psalmist says in Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Like, like we don't get to escape the hardship of life, the pain, the brokenness. We don't get to return the unwanted gifts that life sometimes brings us but what we do get is Emmanuel, God with us. What we do get is Emmanuel, not just God with us, but God come to rescue us. God come to redeem us. And this is why we don't have to be afraid because he's close. Secondly, the word of the Lord was trust God. When the angel says, take Mary to be your wife, he's basically saying, listen, Joseph, this is going to cause you real pain. This is going to, ha- this is going to be risky. You're going to have to trust me on this. You're going to have to trust me particularly when things don't go well, particularly when in the Bible story, the, the Christmas story we forget is the him and this baby and, and Mary fleeing his hometown, fleeing his job, going down to Egypt for two whole years. Do you think that was part of Joseph's plan? You're going to have to trust me, Joseph. There's a plan involved here. That it's all unfolding exactly the way I want it to. And it won't always feel like that, Joseph. Hope is coming. The light of the world is coming but it won't feel like that in the moment. Where is it in your life that you maybe need to trust him a little more? Maybe it's just to start praying again, even though it feels like sometimes that he's forgotten you or he's maybe not hearing you. Maybe it's loving a person who might be incredibly difficult to love right now. Can you trust God with that? Can you trust God and take the risk like Joseph does? The conclusion of your story is not yet written. That's what we see in the story. Joseph has to make a decision that will alter the course of his history. He doesn't get to see how it's all going to turn out when he has to make the decision. He doesn't get to know that it's all going to work out the way it's supposed to when he has to make this decision. He just has to trust God and take the risk. And it tells us, His story tells us that your faith matters. That your courage matters. That your perseverance in the face of difficulty matters. And God will honor it. And God will use it. He did it for Joseph. He'll do it for you. Trust him. And finally, 
commit yourself to Jesus. Because when the angel says, you shall name him Jesus, this is a legal act. This is Joseph binding himself to the fate and the future of this boy. And there's no going back and there's no gift receipts. Let me ask you something. As much as it cost him, as much as there were consequences, as much as we see Joseph's story sort of drift quietly into the background of the Gospels, do you think he regretted his decision to trust God at his word? Do you think he regretted seeing Jesus grow up? Do you think he regretted the moment that he saw and realized that this child born in scandal and surrounded by rumors was actually the savior of the world? What if, what, if he, what if he hadn't taken the risk? What if he's thinking to himself, what if I hadn't been willing to commit myself to the fate of this little boy who I don't even understand what he's all about yet? In that moment, he would have realized the challenges that he faced. Later on in his life, the challenges that he faced, the difficulties that were so real when they were happening to him were nothing in comparison to the glory he saw in his own son who became his savior. Let me ask you this. This Christmas, do you think taking a risk to put aside your fears and, and maybe take a step of faith where you feel called and commit yourself to Jesus, even if it doesn't make sense in the moment that you're making the decision, even if you don't know how it's going to turn out, do you think you're going to regret taking God at his word? Do you think you're going to regret the moment that you discover that God actually has a plan in mind for your life, even through the pain, that he was, going to do, he was doing something all along that you couldn't see, that there was redemption and hope, even when life felt like it was at its worst? Whatever it is that you're walking through this season, whatever it is that's being magnified right now, whatever's on, on your plate this season, it's possible that this season and this struggle may become the moment you discover God is more present than you know and more capable than you've ever realized. This season, this struggle, even though it might feel scary, even though it might feel overwhelming, could be the moment that you find hope and peace and contentment like never before, that maybe this unwanted gift turns out to be the very gift that makes you the person God had in mind all the way through. Maybe it's the unwanted thing that turns out to be the thing that makes you what God wanted you to be all along. Here's the thing. I've seen God do this in my life. I've seen this, God do this in the lives of people I love. I've seen God work in your stories, many of your stories that I know, that God can do this in your life. God can do this in your life if you're willing, like Joseph. Don't be afraid. Trust God. Take him at his word. and Commit yourself to him. For some of you, that's going to look like recommitting yourself to him. Somebody that's going to be committing to him for the first time, what decision, what area of your life do you need to bring back to him once again? Father, thank you for this story. Thank you for the gift of, of Jesus, but thank you also for this story that doesn't get enough highlight, that doesn't get enough play as in the season. The story of Joseph that is speaking to me right here, right now the way he handled this season, the way that he handled the duress and the stress of that moment, speaking to me right here, 
right now in a real way. I pray, God, that your word would go forth and touch hearts and lives and comfort those who may feel very uncomfortable right now. This is a moment. This is a season where we can let the magnifying nature of the season actually magnify the grace and the goodness of our God. That when it seems like there's not much to be grateful for, if we'll look and let God's power and God's word magnify, we'll see there is so much to be grateful for. Father, we commit our hearts to you. We commit our lives to you. Some of us are recommitting because maybe we've drifted off for a little bit. We bring it back to you. We give you praise and we give you honor and glory that you advent, that you came to us this Christmas. Thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said a big amen. Can we give Jesus a big hand, would you, everybody? Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.